This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond. And now, here's your host, Blair Durham. Greetings, greetings, Stay greetings, greetings. I am so excited to welcome Miss Natisha Wilson. She's the founder and executive director of Village Family. She's resided in Norfolk, Virginia for over 46 years and is married to her Norview High School sweetheart, James B. Wilson, where they both graduated from Old Dominion University with degrees in counseling and psychology. Natisha is the mother of two beautiful children, Kiara Wilson, who is a graduate of George Washington University and the owner of Creative Mindset Photography, and Keyshawn Wilson, who recently graduated from North Carolina A&T with a degree in engineering. Natisha was raised by a talented single mom. Although her mom had a strong support system, it was still a struggle growing up. Food, education, her children looking their best was very important. So just like her mother, it's important that all kids have these key components to ensure their success. Natisha enjoys helping others. She says it's the foundation of her family. She watched her grandparents have an open door policy, clothe and feed so many people and never ran out. When she witnessed their love, joy, uh, never lack and always giving spirit, she knew from a young age that she'd someday continue their legacy as her own. Village Family is a nonprofit hunger relief organization that was founded in 2014 by Natisha Wilson to provide outreach services to those experiencing financial hardship and food insecurity. Village Family is a valuable community resource that feeds, clothes, and educates. Village Family distributes quality resources from donated pantry space every fourth Sunday at First Calvary Baptist Church. 813 Henry Street in North Virginia. With the help of volunteers and community partners, Village Family Committee serves as an empire of great people making a huge impact in the community through unity, service, legacy, kindness, and commitment. Village Family is seeking to continue the legacy of our ancestors, rather to continue the legacy our ancestors started through love and the gift of giving. A desire to assist everyone who comes for assistance, as well as to expand and enhance the services that they provide. Natisha, welcome to the show. I'm so delighted to have you. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, this is it's an honor. It's just an honor to be here today <laughs> and to meet you. Same, same. <laughs> I have um, a particular burden for nonprofit organizations. I never get tired of saying that. You know, nonprofits do work that no other aspect of our community can get done. They really do fill in the gap, right? And so I'm with you. Like I'm reading your story and I'm like, oh my goodness, I get it. I get it. (laughs) So tell me more about Village Family. What really differentiates you from other hunger relief organizations in Hampton Roads and beyond? Okay. Well, as you look around, there are so many nonprofit um, organizations. And like I I'm said, our foundation is, is love. I'm trying to um, create the and continue the legacy that our ancestors started through um, love and the gift of um, giving. I say the experience matters. Um, I always tell our uh, our volunteers, our workers, we are VIP, working with VIP, serving very important people, experiencing financial um, hardship and food insecurities. So 
it's no different. Everyone, and we experienced this through the pandemic, where everyone knows what it's like to have an unmet need. Yours may not be um, a a financial need, or um, you may have never um, gone to bed um, hungry, but we all know what it's like to have that unmet need and what what it's like to have that emotion and not have that need met. So that puts us all on the same level, just like this, this pandemic. So, oh my goodness. I appreciate so much what you said already, because (laughs) you're right. There's so many organizations out here doing this, but they're not necessarily doing it from the perspective of, um, we're all one. Right. Yes. You know, that service delivery model, that, um, that perspective matters, you know, um, I just appreciate you having that, that vantage point. I know I interrupted you go on. If there's more that you want to say about how you all do the work that you do. Well, that's, um, that's just the, how we're, um, how I operate and how um, we are um, different. I, I've worked in, um, you know, corporate, um, America, I took the leap of um, faith and I let people, we're in this together. It takes us, you know, it takes everyone to make this, this, you know, work. And I don't make any, anyone or um, feel any, any less. So, um, like I said, it's, it's the experience. I want every, like I always tell them when our guests come to us and they receive the, um, the I, I want everyone to walk away feeling better than they came from the guests that come to our, um, our volunteers and everyone walking away when they volunteer or they work with village family. Everyone should take something away when you're doing the, doing the work and seeing the impact that you're making in someone else's life by, you know, um, donating your time, your energy or whatever, you should walk away feeling better than when you came because the world that we, we live in, we need to make this spread love, um, make this a contagious, um, um, thing, compassion, make that contagious rather than these germs that are going around here. So, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. Right. And you think about it. I'm often um, puzzled and perplexed by the fact that, you know, as many abundant resources as this planet has, you know what I mean? I mean, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Certainly there's no lack in capacity. Right. Somehow individuals right here in our own backyard are dealing with starvation, you know? A lot of times too, people talk about starvation and they see it as something that's happening out there. They may say, oh, in Africa, people are starving. But right here in Hampton Roads, right here in Norfolk, right here in Chesapeake, we are dealing with issues of starvation, even with the abundance of resources, right? So I I wanna hear from you too, because I know that um, food is just one part of how you're caring for the community. What is the education aspect? How are you empowering individuals to um, improve conditions for themselves? Mm-hmm. Well, the education um, piece is pretty much where we we um, we 
we do our collaborations. We partner with the best so that we can provide the best for those who come to us um, for services. That's um, part of the reasons why um, I'm partnering with um, Black Brand because we're partnering with the best because when we partner with the best, um, our community and our residents and they receive um, the best um, resources. So what we do is we see what the businesses and different organizations provide, what resources they have, and we educate those who come to us. Like we do, we provide like food, clothing, personal hygiene items, and and they may need um, mental health. We don't specialize in that. So we may have a mental health partner or um, housing. Um, we're working out a donated space, you know, ourselves. So we would have to um, look amongst our community partners and say, and reach out and refer them there until we're in a, um, we have our own building and we can provide those um, educational um, resources. And um, and we have different events and, and every, we have a back to school um, expo. We're always promoting education, we um, school supplies and doing different um, resources and trying to um, empower um, because education is um, very um, important. But as far as um, an additional education piece is educating our com community as far as the, the various and um, businesses and or organizations that they can um, tap into to meet the additional um, needs. Absolutely. If you just tuned in, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today. I'm talking with Natisha Wilson. She is the founder and executive director of Village Family. I want to ask this question. Um, you know, so many think about starting nonprofits, right? They see the nonprofit model. They say, oh man, you know, I'd love to start a nonprofit. I want my own nonprofit. What has been your own process in terms of starting and growing this nonprofit organization. What, what would you say to somebody just starting out about how they could uh, meet a need in their community? I would say you want to make sure it's something that you're passionate about. You Something that you love, you're good at, something that you love to do. Um, and you want to make sure you have a good um, support system and do your research your research because things are, um, education is, um, is always key. Know it for yourself. Um, things are always changing. Um, Google is your friend. Um, people will, is so many nonprofits, um, out here, you know, a lot of people can, you know, make it look good on, on paper. Some people have the gift of gab, but you want to make sure um, you're making, you're the change and you're making a difference in the, um, the community and um, your brand is everything. So I would say do the, do the, um, educate, um, do the research uh, and, you know, ask questions, but make sure you do your, um, do your research. Yeah. Yeah. So no doubt, right? <laughs> Nonprofit organizations are businesses and a lot of a lot of times we don't really have that perspective when we're starting out. We think, oh, it's a nonprofit. And that means I'm going to take money out of one pocket and I'm going to put it into another, right? Wow. Um, but I think you probably have learned that there might be a better way to grow a nonprofit, right? What, what are you seeing in terms of 
um, how to build multiple streams of income for the nonprofit, how to really scale it without it being a drain on your own resources. Right. And people must realize that it is a business, you know, it's, and you have to operate it like a, um, a business. I think a lot of people hear nonprofit and they think that it does not take money to operate. Even, you know, when you're reaching, you're trying to raise awareness. People, a lot of times people don't take you, you seriously like, okay, uh, why she, it's a nonprofit, but yes, in order for you to help others, it takes, it takes money. Um, and you have to have that, um, that structure and that model and, it it takes um, money to um, stay in to stay in um, business. We're just like the um, and the smaller um, nonprofits are just like the smaller um, businesses. If you don't get the the help, then you're you're gonna um, um, that are going behind the um, since your your doors are gonna close just as uh, just like the smaller um, businesses. And that's what we're finding that we're in the same. Um, position as the smaller um, businesses because you're competing with the um, the larger the larger um, biz- businesses and non larger nonprofits and everything so you mm-hmm. have to keep that in mind it's a lot of work yeah of, a lot it's a lot of them out there it's a lot of work <laughs> yeah I appreciate it what you said about competition as well you yes. know Folks think that because it's a nonprofit, it's a non-competitive space. But at the end of the day, um, when nonprofits have overlapping missions, those that might consider funding those missions are going to look at the nonprofits that are having the greatest impact, that have their financials in order, that are structured properly, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yes. All these things are important. All those (laughs) stuff got to be kept in a row, right? (laughs) What makes you different? (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, our, our, we're on um, social media. Um, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram. We are we're on Twitter. Our website is www.villagefamilyoutreach.net. Um, we do have um, volunteer opportunities. Uh, we list it with our partner, Volunteer Hampton Roads. So you can um, go to www.volunteer.net. Um, hr.org um, to see um, village family. We have various um, ways that you can get in, um, involved. So I'm joined now by Kisha Moore. Kisha is a successful businesswoman and mother of two. She's passionate about people, entrepreneurship, job creation, and vision casting. Kisha loves encouraging people to reach their full potential and does that by bringing the sweet life into the people that she meets. Kisha, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have you. And Mm -hmm. I learned pretty recently that I have a sweet tooth. (laughs) Every day, (laughs) three o'clock, I'm going for my sweets. And so, um, for me, this is an exciting conversation because I feel like you've introduced our world to something, hmm, shall we say, a bit exclusive. Can you talk a little bit about the desserts that you create? Sure. It is, I guess it's a bit exclusive, different than, um, which is so weird, different than most people expect, um, 
a black woman business, right? Like, um, I, I, I'm classically trained pastry chef. I love pushing the envelope with flavor and we make French macarons is one of our, um, specialties. And when I first started making macarons in this area, which was, uh, 10 years ago, gosh, um, it was not at that time a really popular dessert like it is now. I mean, of course, with social media and things like that, it's really exploded. Everyone's making them at home. But prior to that, um, it was not a common thing. It's certainly not something that you would find in a typical pastry shop and certainly not many of um, many, you know, African-Americans or desserts that we make so much so that when I open the shop and people would come in if I wasn't in the front or day they're like oh my gosh I didn't know it was owned by a black woman it just it just it shocked me <laughs> I was like okay and so beyond just introducing it to um you know, something certainly that wasn't part of like the mainstay culture. Macarons certainly, at, at, when they first were introduced to society, were, were an exclusive treat because it is a fairly expensive <laughs> habit to have. <laughs> yes. And, and even, I, even, want uh, all, I want to get into all that nitty gritty because yeah. it's such a delicate cookie. And then the flavor is very, it's just a wonderful experience the mm-hmm. texture all of it comes together i want to hear like you said people were making these things at home i had no idea like i thought you had to have a special set of tools a special type of machine to even be able- oh you do that's why i'm always amazed that people are making them at home and that's just as a, a result of it's a result of some of it is just our um an american psyche in america we are in europe most people would not make these at home this is not um, you know, they go and buy theirs. In the U.S., as Americans, we are, we are, I guess, um, I don't know if it's trained. We are just an aggressive group of people. We need to do DIY everything. We are the DIYers. We, um, if somebody's come up with something, we are going to make it happen. We are going to be the ones to create. We're going to be able to go out and make it at home. And, and so there are people who are doing it at home. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying successfully, or um, many of them quickly learn that it is not like making chocolate chip cookies. Great. I can't even <laughs> imagine what it's like. I mean, I think I shared with you, Kisha, when I met you, that my first real deep dive into the, the world of macarons was uh, watching the kids baking championship. Yes. <laughs> Tiny little people figured out how to make sure that every cookie had the feet going around it and how to do it <laughs> just right. And I just thought, oh my goodness, this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. I think there's some behind the scenes TV magic with that. Okay. Um, macarons I mean I've been making them for a long time many of us as master pastry chefs um will tell you it is it is a cookie that you will not completely master it is um there you you'll have a failed batch or a failed tray at least once a week if not more just because of the variables and keep in mind though that unlike on a show or someone doing at home, we make them in volume. It is, um, I, it'd be great to have like a follow-up and get some video of what that actually looks like um, and how we produce it. So when we have our classes, a lot of the, um, um, come in like, oh my gosh, Kisha. I'll probably not make this at home ever again. I enjoy, huh? 
start again with when we have our classes. There was a connection issue. Oh, okay. So when we have our classes um, and people come in and they experience what it's like for us to produce and the volume that we produce, they're, they're like, oh my goodness, um, <laughs> ever. Uh, and, and so that education helps them really see what it takes to produce what we do. You know, I think there's a fantasy sometimes when you're not in it that you're like, oh, I got this. I can do this. You know, I've only seen it done once, but now I'm going to go reproduce it. And then when yeah. you see what it takes to do that on a regular basis, it really helps them appreciate even more um, the uniqueness of that tree. So I'm going to ask a couple more questions about macarons and then I want to okay. talk about your passion for all things entrepreneurship. <laughs> what, are okay. your, what are your best selling flavors um, at Hummingbird? Okay, so, hmm. Or do they tip? So how do they typically do they come in set by flavor or do they come as a part of a group of flavors or, or it's a whole experience? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's a whole experience. We have 14 flavors daily. We have a collection that we bring out in spring and summer. And then we have a collection that we bring out fall, winter. I was saying our signature collection, which is, which does not change. Our signature collection stays the same. So for people who are not familiar with some of the crazy flavors we have in our new, our um, seasonal collection, they can choose from. Out of that collection, I would say salted caramel and hummingbird are probably our top sellers. Um, but they're closely followed by all the other flavors. It is such an experience that it's it's not uncommon for us to sell out of everything. Our um our se- our seasonal collection right now we have a flavor that's um, black pepper raspberry, and that flavor is the most requested flavor of all of our collections, and so we bring that back from time to time. And I just like to have things that people don't think about. And so the, this past week, we had customers coming. They're like, I would have never. <laughs> they're like, I tasted that black pepper. And I tell you, I probably would have never thought to do something like that, but it was amazing. It is. So that's, so the six, the seasonal collection is where I get to push the envelope, try some really fun, uh, unique flavors and give people like just something to um, experience, you know, it's a great way to experience like the, the sweet life. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I'm looking at Black truffle cherry. Yes. Uh-huh. Jasmine tangerine. I'm just yes. how that explodes on the palate. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you do all kinds of other desserts as well. Or you do desserts that build on the macaron or how what what are the other things? So no, the other desserts don't typically not necessarily build on the macarons. They are um they're unique unto themselves. Okay. And, and we have some, again, because I like to really, I mean, if it was my, my endeavors, like really to push the envelope with a lot of really great flavor combinations. Um, so we do the same thing with the pastry case and, or our desserts. So we have, like, you'll see like red velvet, vanilla cake. So we keep some things that are, that people can come and be like, Oh, I want to try a cake, but I don't want to be so adventurous. And then we'll have, um, like we have a blueberry pistachio cake right now, which is phenomenal. And, um, and so we, we have a vanilla chiffon cake. We soak that in a blueberry green tea syrup that we also sell as a tea in house. Wow. Uh, and we fill that with fresh blueberries and blueberry jam, pistachio, um, 
a pistachio uh, mousseline, and then we layer that cake. Um, and then we put um, like a chocolate design on it. So it's an elevated experience. It's an elevated dessert experience. And for me, people come here like, oh, are you trying to be French? No, I'm not. <laughs> um, I am a pastry chef who has a dessert boutique and I'm not trying to be anybody but me and, and bring a great dessert experience. And so I always find, you know, that's interesting to me that people say that, but it really is to bring the best of what we provide as creative, um, as a creative American pastry chef with what I've learned um, being trained in European style. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. love it, love it, love it, love it. <laughs> yeah. And you add, people say, you add that soul to the fish. That was like, they were like, you add soul to it. I was like, yeah, we got it. You know, it's we can make everything our thing. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about entrepreneurship, Kisha. Um, mm-hmm. Something, a passion that you and I share. Yes, <laughs> I mean, man. I love the dessert too. But when I think about entrepreneurship and even getting something like this off the ground, to have an elevation mindset, number one, to be able to produce something that is world class. I know it takes more than a dream. I know it takes more than hard work, <laughs> right? How did you bring this to fruition? Um, you know, all of those. Huh? <laughs> Say what? You're like, oh gosh, does she want the full? Uh, the condensed version. Let me, let me, let's, let's go down the. Uh... <laughs> um, I have. Um, since I was a very young child, been entrepreneurial. I love the fact that you can create business, produce money out of an idea. It was the most amazing concept for me um, early on. And and so to bring that to life, I don't know if I can say like it's, you know, I don't, I, I'm careful when I say it's a part of me, but it really is like bringing this to life was one, I transitioned from having a bistro, needed to open this up. I needed to focus on what was the one thing I could focus on that we could do, you know, boots on the ground going for it. And the macarons was it at the time because it wasn't something that was really popular. And of course we were doing other desserts as well. Um, I believe that you have to have a strong will, high faith and extreme tenacious determination to be able to run a company because it is not a joke um and and pursue it like that like it's not a hobby and so i recognize that for me i like what you said i think the ability to create jobs for people to open up something to make a difference in your community to pursue purpose because purpose i saw my daughter the other day i was like purpose produces wealth wealth does not create purpose okay and oftentimes people are led by the idea of creating of of amassing wealth but it's not it doesn't sustain unless you add purpose to it and i can tell i can tell a little story about that um quickly if i can that has that really was something that um I do a lot of research. I research a lot about different businesses, people who started companies. And one of the companies or men that I studied were Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, JP Morgan. Um, you know, of course, you know, um, early on, why that was important for me was because they um, amassed a lot of wealth, but they made more money through their philanthropy than they ever did. 
And that's why I mentioned them through the money that they created became this whole competition. And they realized that while they were competing to be the wealthiest men, that giving back in their philanthropic work was indeed and became the most rewarding thing and was a legacy they wanted to leave behind. And so I understand that as a businesswoman, especially as a black businesswoman, we are uniquely designed and have the ability to give back, to nurture and produce um, amazing um, wealth, but also to bring others up with a sense of purpose for their own talents and their own endeavors. Wow. Okay. I'm excited. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. A pleasure chatting with you today and just all the best to you as you continue to grow your business and shine your beautiful light. <laughs> Thank you, Blair. This is amazing. I hope everyone gets out there, gets to be an entrepreneur, and don't be afraid to fail. <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely. Take the risk. <laughs> I, I really believe that success is being able to go from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. So I'm so glad you said that. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful week. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the black community is the black community, not a particular political party. Hey, yo, when I say black, you-